This is episode 107, and we have a very, very special guest on. His name is Agostino Pintas. A uh, little bit of bio uh, background of his, the things that he's doing, the things he's working on. Again, today is going to be a multifamily syndication investing show. So if you're looking for these type of strategies, tips, uh, it's going to be a great, great show for you. So make sure to keep watching. Uh, so he's an engaging speaker who boldly gets the audience thinking bigger and different. So expect a lot of great tips, uh, uh, mindset shifts today. Uh, his background is a C-level executive in corporate America, managing millions in capital and leading international teams. Allows him to make people start thinking about their business in a new ways. Very important during these times. Uh, Agostino is a multifamily investor, entrepreneur, and a public speaker with more than 15 years of experience in real estate. Uh, he currently oversees strategic partnerships, capital development, and deal sourcing for real estate dynamic equity partners, an investment firm specializing in multifamily acquisitions. He's also the subject of the Bulletproof, Bulletproof Multifamily Mindset Show. Uh, make sure to go and find that on YouTube, iTunes. Uh, a series highlight topics every multifamily investor should know to build their success. Uh, additionally, he is the host of Bulletproof Cashflow Podcast, as I mentioned, uh, focused on interviewing the top experts in the real estate arena. And as I mentioned, Agostino before, uh, it's quite a long bio, so we're not going to go through the entire thing, but you can find the rest in a, in a link down below or in a description section. And of course, all the links to Agostino platforms, which is YouTube, iTunes, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, make sure to go and check all of these and get, get connected with this man. Agostino, I really appreciate you joining me on the show today. Awesome. Hey, man, thanks for inviting me. Appreciate it. That's no problem. No problem. Listen, so uh, again, a lot of things, you accomplished a lot of things. So uh, kind of, but I would like to go back to the kind of the beginning stages because, you know, everybody likes that kind of, that, that type of story. So can you talk yeah. about how did you get involved with the, with the real estate business in general? Well, before, before it was real estate, it was, it was IT, it was technology, right? So yeah. I was one of those young kids born to uh, Italian immigrants and didn't have a lot of money. But one thing I had was this passion for computers. So at 10 years old, I was already writing code. I was already learning how to do all that. And I already had in my, in my mind to be an entrepreneur. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Of course, parents would often, you know, I think like most parents would when you're a young kid, discourage entrepreneurship, right? Go, go to the 40 hour work week, no need to risk entrepreneurship, that kind of thing. But I really had that fire in, in, in my belly about doing that. So I ended up going to school for engineering. I wanted to, as I said, go into the technology realm. And I did that, you know, I, I, I rose to the ranks and eventually became C-level executive at some, some big uh, debt collection asset management company that we buy debt from other companies, from credit card companies. And it's like, I, I built a great deal of success for these guys. And then basically we go public, we do all this great stuff on, on again, the technology that my team and I built. And what do they do? One day they just come up to me and they say, you know what, pack your stuff, you're done, get lost, over. And I mean, I was crushed. You know, I was like, what, what am I gonna do now? What am I, how, you know, this is, this is insane. So it's kind of like a big reboot for my life. That really led to the, what I call the 10 dark years. Once I did that, I was, I was kind of like, I, I, I lost my focus. I lost my ambition. I lost my drive for quite a long time. But it wasn't until I, I really got refocused with the, getting the right information in my, in my head 
And, uh, you know, it's funny how when I started learning and training and studying psychology, studying history, studying why humans do what we do. And then, of course, all this intersected with yet another job loss now closer to my mid 40s at this point. I'm like, okay, how many more times do I want to keep losing jobs here in IT? Like, how many more times do I have to go through this, right? And I decided, you know what? I'm going to quit IT. I'm going to quit IT altogether. And I'm just going to go straight into real estate. The one thing that real estate was, for me anyway, was always there for me, no matter what, through the good times and the bad. And as I said, I had, had a string of bad years there. And uh, one thing I did when I was working at that one company a long time before was I started doing real estate stuff, small, multi, small, multifamily, small, single family stuff, you know, the, and those checks always rolled in. So only the, the difference. So this time is that I was going to go start doing big deals. I was, was going to start syndicating deals. And that in itself took a lot of effort to really shift the mindset from the small think to now thinking much, much, much bigger. Right. And that's, that's what I find. And you mentioned earlier about, about coaching. And I've, I've talked to a lot of people that say they want to do it, but it's not because they, they're not capable of doing it. You know, they could do the math. It's more like the mindset is the mindset that, that was, that was holding them back. And that's what held me back for the longest time. And once I got over that, once I started really cultivating that mindset of expansion, the mindset of, of growth, that's what changed everything. That's how I was able to start acquiring these nice big assets. Uh, now we've got the Rockefeller building. Uh, we, just, we just closed that about a month and a half ago. It's gonna, that, that asset will be $110 million when it's completed, when it's, when it's done, right? And it's, it's, every time I say it, I get, I get little chills, right? It's, just, it's still unbelievable to me, right? It's, it's, it's remarkable. But uh, my partners and I, we got, we got that cooking. We, got other, we have other deals cooking at the same time, other, other large deals just like that. And if, um, you know, if I hadn't got out of IT and stopped, I had to stop living that, that life of fear, all the time, the life of, oh my God, I can't wait till Friday. Oh man, I hate Mondays. How many people out there say the same thing? I hate Mondays. Terrible, <laughs> terrible. People wish you away time. I used to be one of those guys too. And uh, I'm certainly happy that uh, I'll, I'll never be that guy ever again. I'm never, I'm never going back to that place ever again. Every day is a gift. That's the way I look at it. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. So congratulations on the recent success on closing the Rockefeller building. Again, I, I looked at it before we started an interview and definitely recommend everybody to look at it. I mean, it's beautiful. And of course, we're going to talk about that project and the things you're planning to do with that and the, the rest of the things that you have in your current pipeline. But a few things that I want to kind of talk about, because you mentioned about the period when you lost a job again and you were like 40 years old. And it was like, man, I need to quit this and I need to go and start something else, which is funny enough, you didn't go and start an IT business, which a lot of people do, you know, like I'm going to be, become a competitor and I'm going to go against these people. You, you went in something that you trust that is going to work for you the best, which is multifamily. But what you said, and uh, I will ask you that, that question because I think it will be very interesting for the audience. You mentioned you had some roadblocks and the mindset kind of, you know, issues, let's call it. You know, and it was like, I need to work on these. So can you give a few strategies for the people who are listening and having the same kind of roadblocks or, you know, what kind of mental, you know, um, 
you know, mental roadblocks, you know, in front of them and how they can overcome these, you know, to yeah. think bigger. No, absolutely. You know, I, 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 I get frustrated uh, with myself whenever I, I think about this and it's like now I have to make up for lost time. And, and what that thing is, is this, the, the way that the educational system works, it's almost as if it is, it is built around punishment, right? It's so much so that people, even when they went to school, it was almost like work quote, and I'm making air quotes here, like work, meaning you have to get up, you have to, you have to go somewhere you don't want to go. Uh, maybe you have some friends there. Uh, you know, you listen to this teacher for eight hours straight, you're forced to read certain material, and then you have to go home and do more work. And, uh, and then you repeat this over and over and over and over again. And if you don't do it, then you're going to get in big sort of big trouble. Maybe your parents are going to get upset with you. Your guardian's going to get upset with you. The school's going to get upset with you. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a totally outdated concept. That's that whole educational system it was designed and built around a, a the, the industrial age, right? The, the, meaning that it was 40 hours of work, 40 hours of, of spending time with your, I'm sorry, eight hours of work, eight hours of spending time with your family, eight hours of sleep. That was, that came out of the industrial age, right? Fairly recently, Ford really brought that to, to, to a head. The reason why I'm bringing that up is because all that compounds to what happens when you're done school, when you are done college for many, many, many people, that's the last time they, they crack open a book for maybe 10 years. They don't train, they don't study, they don't learn anything new. They have the same information pretty much, except for what they watch on TV. Maybe they'll read some magazines and whatnot, but they're not really dedicated to learning anymore. And I was in that boat. Many, many other people are the same thing. They do the same thing, right? Where, and I think this is, this also goes to what you said earlier. Why didn't I do IT? You know, that's, that's a good, that's a, that's, that's great. You know, it's a great question. Why wouldn't I do IT, right? I'm supposedly good at it. Why wouldn't I keep doing it, right? And that's, and that's the main problem because I was not exposed to anything else, right? And I, and I, but the, the difference though, is that when I took on that, that last job, I started exposing to psychology, sales, biographies. I was, I was listening to a book a week, a book a week, like double speed as fast as I could, try to get through the books, listen to the books, absorb those nuggets of information, right? That takes a great deal of effort to, to really expose yourself to new ideas and new concepts, right? And it was all around those different types of books. So it wasn't just real estate. Real estate was part of it, a big part of it. But it was also human psychology, sales. Because you, you need to learn how to sell. If you're going to raise money to sell yourself, to sell the project, how do you market? How do you, how do you get in front of somebody to even know your name in the first place? All that is marketing, Right. And so what it did was I started exposing myself to this information. So by the time I decided that real estate was going to be it, I did have, of course, knowledge in, in terms of doing my smaller deals, much smaller deals than what I'm doing today. But one thing I knew was that no matter what happened, that money kept on rolling in. A couple hundred bucks a month just showed up in my, in, in my checkbook, right? Or in my, in, my, in my bank account, just showed up. I didn't have to do anything. So I'm like, you know what? If I can do that, build the passive income and never have to go to a place that I hate going to, then that's what I need to be doing. And I can apply this knowledge that I've gained over the years 
to build a business around it. So I could have done IT and I did try doing IT. You know, I did try it. And I, I tried building technology and we built, and I, you know, we built great technology, but it still wasn't good enough. And to me, that stuff is high risk compared to real estate too, right? And I'll tell you why. I mean, there, there's a deal I'm working on right now. We're closing it uh, today, actually. We're, the deal's closing today. And uh, it's a small deal. It's a $3 million deal, very small, 96 units. Uh, we only had to raise $700,000 for this deal. And the bank is giving us the rest of the money right? The rest of it. So you name one business, name a mobile app that you need $3 million for where the bank is going to give you the, the rest of the money. All you need is $700,000. Name one business. You can raise the money in five days. <laughs> There's nothing else like it. There's absolutely nothing else like it. And you know, you, that's just the example, but you see where I'm going with this is that once you understand all this stuff, I mean, it's a no-brainer, right? And and banks love real estate. It's cash flow. It's physical. It's it's tangible, as opposed to a concept like a mobile app or some other piece of technology that may or may not work. People don't want to invest in stuff like that. Not to mention all the tax benefits that come along with it. So for me, it came down to really educating myself as to what what what's possible. But I think more importantly, I think when you really dedicate your your time to to, to really getting more information in your brain, it opens up far more paths for you to take that might be suitable for what you're able to do, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so that's, again, that's a great story and thanks for sharing that. And the tips, I'm sure they're, they're gonna be available for people who are listening to. So the, the question that pops up in my head right now, can you kind of walk us through the first deals? You know, you got the education, you got the mindset part sorted. So now you're kind of taking action and looking for deals. So how was that process for you personally? Oh man, uh, so uh, I'll tell you, um, one thing that I did might be a little different than other people is that, I, like I said, I, I'd done like single family, small multifamily, things like that. But when I decided that I was gonna do like a bigger syndication type scenario, right, a bigger deal, I decided that um, I was going to do my own deal first. I was going to do a multifamily deal of my own, right? So I had some cash from from, an, from my assets that I sold off. Like when I decided I was going to do this, I started selling everything. I started selling everything, right? So I had some cash to work with. And I used that cash to buy a little 12-unit deal. That's it. My own deal, right? Because if I'm going to go talk to investors, I want to demonstrate that I'm, I believe in this enough that I'm going to put all my money that I have into my own deal. I picked it and it was cash flowing and it was doing great, right? I can demonstrate that I know what I'm doing, right? But then th that's a small deal. My first big deal that I actually syndicated uh, was, uh, it was a 56 unit deal. Now, by the way, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna I'm gonna preface what I'm about to say. I don't recommend people do this. <laughs> don't, do, don't do like I did, all right? Uh, there's better ways to do it. Uh, so I'm gonna preface it with that. So here, here's what happened. Uh, what I would do is I would go to LoopNet and I would practice, I would call practice my numbers, right? And what that means is that you go to, LoopNet is typically not a place to find deals. It is the place to really practice your numbers, to basically pick out a deal, use your analyzer, run the numbers, make sure that uh, what, you're, what you think it's worth and what they think it's worth, see, see what it is. Practice, practice understanding what the, what the, the, the buildings are trading for, what their expenses typically sit at, uh, what, what you would buy it at, that kind of thing, right? Every once in a while, you might find a deal on LoopNet 
but I mean, it's, it's very, 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 very hard to do, right? If impossible, I mean, but here's the thing, this one deal, I just happened to have it up on my screen and it was being represented by my property manager who was managing some, some of my, my deals. And uh, I happened to call Gary about my other property and I noticed his picture was next to this 56 unit deal. And I said, uh, hey, what's, what's the story in this 56 unit deal? And he tells me, he goes, it just fell out of contract like an hour ago. It's yours if you want it. I'm like, wow, okay. What's the price on it? It's, it was 1.65 million. And I said, well, what's the bottom line number? Like what, basically what was it under contract for? And he, he says, 1.465 million. And I'm like, oh my God, 1.4 million. That's a lot of money. Now it is a lot of money today. It's not, but back then it was a lot of money for me. Right. Cause I, cause I had to really expand to think I never, never bought anything that big before. So I'm like, but here's what I did. I said, send over a purchase agreement. I'm going to sign it right now. I basically committed to buying this property sight unseen. Right. Again, I don't recommend doing this. Right. I sign it, lock it up, get the money sent over to Ernest or to the, to the, the title company. And now I'm like, okay, great. Now I got to find the money. <laughs> I didn't have the money so, lined up. So, so no underwriting, no due diligence, nothing to signing in. Well, no, I've already done. So keep in mind that I'm always practicing my numbers. Okay. I'm always practicing my numbers, right? And I already practiced my numbers on this deal. And I knew that at 1.465, the deal would work. At 1.65, whatever number that they were asking on, on LoopNet would not work. A 1.4, it did, right? But in terms of, uh, in, in terms of uh, locking up the deal, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get the deal under contract. I want to control the deal, right? But more importantly, though, is that one thing I learned is you never, number one, have an idea where the money's coming from before you lock up the deal. Some idea. Where's the money coming from? Where's the lending coming from? And where's the, the, the 20% or 30%, whatever it is, the money you're putting down, where's that coming from? Have an idea. Got to have an idea of those two things. Very, very important. <laughs> right? So, and of, and of course, this is like one of my first large deals, right? So I had to, I, I made, it took me two phone calls to find the money, which was about $600,000 to do that deal. And once I raised that money, we're, we're off to the races, you know? So, uh, it was, um, but like I said, always go before you make any offers, tour the property, walk the property. One thing that I learned from my, when I was doing my small multifamily and single family was I would use, I don't even know what it was called. My spidey sense. I don't know what else for lack of a better term. Tuning fork. Say again. Tuning fork. Tuning fork. Exactly. There's, it's kind of like when you first walk a property, you kind of like just open your eyes, don't say a word and just listen, you know, listen and, and watch what's going on and how do you feel about it? And if you feel good about it, then you, then you go ahead. If, if something bothers you, you don't do it. And it's, it's kind of like that. It's, it's based on, it's based on a feeling. And I think that I, I've been very, very lucky that that feeling has never, has never, has never been wrong. And do you, do you, sorry for interrupting. And do you think, do you think that feeling kind of, it's been there naturally for you all this time or you kind of uncovered it uh, while just, you know, taking action and doing the work? No, no, it took, it took doing the work. Uh, it, part of it is, is that you have to, um, you got to walk a lot of deals. 
right? And you got to walk a lot of areas, right? So whether it's single family, multifamily, it almost doesn't matter. It's kind of like, uh, how do you feel about the area? And this, so and keep in mind, mm -hmm. I use the word feel as opposed to numbers. Because like the tenants, many when the tenants will come in, they will feel the area and that's what will be the reasons if they're going to rent or not. If, if, if the seller, if they're looking to sell the property, if he will come in and feel good about the area, that will be exactly the same reason for him to buy the property, right? Precisely, precisely. And, and that's, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. Like, I know in the green room, we're talking about the other things that we're doing. We do redevelopment now. We're, we're doing triple net leases and we're doing all this other stuff. And I noticed that in, in the redevelopment space, they're always talking about the, 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 the rentable, the, the square footage renting or the rent per square foot rather, mm -hmm. right? $2 a square foot, $4 a square foot. How, how much is it renting for? And I'm like, I don't care about that. I want to know how much the monthly rent is. And they look at me like very strange. Well, what, what, what do you want to know that for? Ultimately, because if someone, an individual is going to go in and rent an area, they're not renting it by the square foot. They want to know how much is my rent? Yeah. <laughs> That's what they want to know. Simplifying. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Right. So for many folks, they, they, that's not how they rent, you know, or I'm sorry, for, for, many, for many developers, for many, for many uh, construction people, they don't, they don't work that way. And I think that um, for many people that apply the, the heavy mathematics around it, you could do that and you should do that. I think mm -hmm. that but before that comes right here in the heart, how does it feel, right? How does it feel when you first walk that property? And it took, to, to answer your question, it's my long-winded answer to answer your short question, it really took getting out and walking properties over and over and over and over again. And that's, and it's probably one of the biggest hangups that many people have in this business and want to get into this business is that they're trying to do it from home and they're trying to do it off a loop net and they're trying to buy a, a building or, a, or even a duplex like they would on eBay or buy something on Amazon. It's this is, doesn't work this way, guys. Maybe this, in the future. This, well, no, no, no. no. I, I don't even know if it's going to happen in the future, man. I mean, because the, the thing is, is that when, when the one thing about our species, right, where we live, our home is very important to us, right, mm -hmm. as a species. And you, you can never replace that. You as an owner or you as a landlord or as a, like you as a, the one purchasing the asset, you can never replace that just by doing, uh, go to the Facebook marketplace and buying a duplex. It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. You need to be, in my opinion, local to that asset, walk the asset, understand who's going to be living there, visualize that person, where would they go, how would they walk in, how would they feel about that asset. And that takes a little bit more effort than typically just running the numbers in the back of the napkin and say, yeah, I like this deal, it's going to work. Yes, do that. However, another big part of it is to visualize who is going to live here. How will this, how, how will this, this environment affect them emotionally? What will keep them there? Because you want to keep the tenant there as long as possible, right? The longer you can keep them there, the, the, the less money it costs you, right? In terms of your expenses. Why? Because you're not having to replace carpet, repaint, move people in and out, lose, lose, on, uh, lose on rent, you know, that kind of thing. You, you want to create an environment that wants to, that, that'll keep people happy, right? That's, that's ultimately what needs to happen when you're, when you're thinking of an environment. And I don't know, man, I mean, I, I'm still a big believer in, in staying local to your market. We st I'm local here and to, to my market here in Cleveland, Ohio, everything that we own is, is in and around Cleveland. 
You know, we can drive to it. One property management group handles everything, right? They handle the entire portfolio. So it's, uh, at least as far as the multifamily is concerned, right? And um, they, they know how I work. They know what, what, what I expect and they perform. It's quite easy, right? Uh, if I were trying to do this remotely, it'd be extraordinarily difficult to do in my opinion. So mm, makes yeah. sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So again, I love the, 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 the story and the fact that you, you know, you find kind of the, the second deal well, was the, you know, after the, the, the smaller deal, there was it the 40 or 52 or 56 unit deal you, you talk about. Yeah, the first, well, I mean, the, 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 my first real big deal was a 56 unit deal. 56. And you, yeah. and you found that through your personal, like it was a property management you sent to kind of said like, look, there's a deal for you if you want to get it, which doesn't happen that often. You know, it's probably, there was some luck involved with that also. And I love the fact that you said you're going to the loop net, which is kind of this, you know, dump of these properties that nobody wants. And you just kind of went through and learned how to underwrite the properties. So the question that I have for you is how do you actually go about and find the ways how to source the good deals? Is it through the brokers? or maybe you have some creative strategies that help you to source these deals also. Oh man, you know, it's funny. I do these calls with, with um, so we, I host an event for the RIA, the, the Real Estate Investors Association, like once a month. And uh, here, here we do it remotely now on Zoom. So if anybody's interested in, in signing up for that, let me know, or you know, I can send you a link. The, th the thing is, is that, and we talked about this, that's, that's why I bring that up. Uh, for, it's, it comes down to credibility. It comes down to credibility. And, and here's what I mean by that. The, the broker who's going to put this deal together, the broker needs to know that you are going to perform. You as the buyer are going to perform. Okay. How do they know that you're going to perform? Meaning, can you get the money? Can you get the, the can you get the bank financing? Can you get the, 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 the down payment? Can, are you easy to work with? Are you credible? Do you say, do you do what you do and say what you're going to do? I mean, do you have integrity? Things like that are a big deal to a broker because if, if you don't perform, the broker looks stupid. And then the, 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 the seller, they're going to get upset with you as a buyer, but they're also going to get upset with their broker because the brokers, he'll tell the brokers like, you told me that this guy can, can take this deal down. He's clearly an idiot, right? You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that one that says, I want to buy this deal. And then, you know, you're unable to do it, right? So with every deal that you do, you're gaining more experience and more credibility. All right. That's, that's ultimately what it is. So to get access to those, those, those I guess, off-market deals like the, the everyone, that everyone is looking for, you, you really need to compete at a very different level, right? You need to demonstrate that you have the capability to close, that you can speak the language, right? The language of real estate, very, very important, right? When you're calling on a, a broker, can you speak their language in a way that's going to say to them, huh, I think this person can actually get this deal done. I have, I think I may, I may, I'm going to send them the next deal next time. I'm going to send, I, you know, there might be a 22 unit coming up and then maybe, maybe you're calling in and it's like, look, I, I have, I have the money. I have the experience. I have this, that, and the other, I have a local team. It makes it sound like, you know, what you're talking about. You have all that to build the credibility. And then if you are able to do that, 
then that's how you get those deals. But the, the unfortunate thing is that it takes time to do this. This is, this is the thing. It isn't like you're just going to make one phone call and that's it, right? It's not, it doesn't work that way. It, it requires you to build a relationship, to build the rapport, to spend time with that person, right? Time meaning on the phone, drive out there or fly out to wherever you want to go, wherever you want to buy and, and actually make FaceTime with them like get to know them, buy them a coffee, buy them dinner, don't be cheap. Uh, make sure your pitch, when you first do make that phone call, your pitch is on point. This is probably one of the biggest things right here. Here's, here's a piece of a great advice. If you are looking to practice your pitch, I had one guy that actually was past Saturday saying, like he's making, he's making calls to brokers and nobody's returning his call. He doesn't know why. And I said, probably because your pitch sucks. That's probably the reason why. Right. Nobody wants to no, Nobody's calling you back because they don't think you're real. They don't think you can actually get the job done. So practice your pitch, write it up, write it out, and then start calling brokers outside of your market, places that you're never going to buy. Right. And practice on those people. See if they'll call you back. <laughs> if those people call you back. Chances are the local ones are going to call you back, but don't burn all your local contacts. You know, if you're going to burn contacts, burn ones that are outside of the state. Right. That's a great advice. Yeah. So once you do that, then you're able to, then they start calling you back. Then you know, okay, my pitch is solid. They'll listen to me. So then you can start calling your local, your, your local market and getting in front of those people. But I mean, again, ultimately it comes down to, to really knowing your market, knowing what to say and how to say it and, and building that rapport with, with those brokers. The brokers have all of the deals that you want. And you know what? One other thing too is don't be afraid to spend money on a coach. I mean, it's it's this is the, this this man I tell you is the most ridiculous thing I find. There's there's one gentleman. Uh, he was looking at buying a small deal, and uh, it was I think it was like six hundred fifty thousand dollars, some small little deal, right? And he offered six forty. And I said to him, I'm like, why would you just give him the six fifty? Like, give him the whole thing. Why? Why not? Uh, I don't know. Well, did you want the deal? Or did, were you like, I really, really have to have this deal? Or were you like, yeah, if I get it, I get it. And he says, well, I, I kind of like, if I get it, I get it. Okay, well, if that's, if that's the case, right, then whatever, then it doesn't matter. But if you really want that deal, go all in. Don't worry about the $10,000 because over, over, over the next 30 years, you'll be, that $10,000 means nothing, right? If you would have had a coach, tell him that, then he would have got, he probably would have won that deal. Right. Makes sense. But some people are afraid to spend the $10,000 or 20 or whatever it is on, on a real, on a good coach with experience. There's plenty of the coaches out there that don't have any experience and they're, uh, they're, they're putting themselves out there. Uh, plenty of those guys, man, it's just ridiculous. But um, all I'm saying is don't be afraid to spend the money for someone to show you the ropes. I had to learn the hard way, right? I learned on my own before there was all these, um, all the gurus and all that stuff. It didn't exist back then. Um, now there's plenty of them out there and uh, some of them don't really have any idea what they're doing in my opinion. But again, I'm not gonna mention any names. It, it could, it, that's, that could be a podcast episode just on its own. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So the question that I wanted to ask you, Cleveland, Ohio, born and raised, right? No, no, no. I was actually born and raised in Canada. 
Gannon. Okay, so yeah. Cleveland, Ohio, living <laughs> right now. Yeah. So, uh, like, and probably that's one of the reasons that you're investing in a state because you're living there, and it's like, as you mentioned before, you don't want to drive to the property four hours or maybe take two two plane rides, you know, and do those type of things. So, can you talk about different, like, what makes Cleveland, like Ohio, you know, as a state different from any other states that people looking to invest in real estate? Yeah, I mean, right now, realist uh, Cleveland is on is on an upswing, right? And uh, I think the primary drivers around it are some of the, the tax incentives, right? There's uh, there's heavy, heavy tax incentives for businesses to, to either relocate here or to build out here, right? So on the big Rockefeller deal, I keep looking, uh, I keep looking off to the side of the of the uh, of the frame because I keep looking every time I say Rockefeller, I look at the building. <laughs> but by default, I just go ahead and look at it because it's it's something. It's it's just when it's in your when something like that big is in your life, you can't help it, right? It's just a, yeah. it's just amazing. Um, but there's so many tax incentives that we get to do that deal, right? You get you get federal tax incentives, you get opportunity zone tax uh, tax credits, you get other a whole bunch of other ones too, right? A lot of tax incentives here. There's also a lot of employment here. You have Cleveland Clinics, you have Smuckers, you have Goodyear, you have all these other big companies, uh, Metro Health, they're all here, right? And so there's a lot of jobs. The cost of living is still very low compared to other places, right? And there's, as I said, plenty of incentive for people to come out here and build and, and, uh, and make things better. So um, like I said, it's other, other cities, I'm sure they have it. Um, this is the one that I found that's still close to Canada. So I can still get to Canada uh, fairly easily to see my family. And, um, and still, and, and there's still so much growth going on here right now. You know, there's got, as I said, jobs, plenty of jobs, good demographics, and plenty of tax incentives. Those three things just by itself makes it a winner, right? Uh, I like the downtown area. I like primary markets personally, primary, secondary. Those are the ones I'm sticking to right now. Uh, tertiary markets, I'm not doing those anymore. I'm staying away from those. Other, other guys, they focus on like secondary and tertiary markets. It, it really depends on, on uh, where they're investing. You know, like uh, I think I, I interviewed someone on my podcast uh, I don't know, a few months ago, and they said that they were doing like secondary and tertiary markets, but they were doing them in and around Dallas, right? That's different, you know, compared mm -hmm. to here. Right. Uh, so different markets, different dynamics, different drivers, you know, here it's primarily healthcare and manufacturing is what it is. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So can you talk about the deal criteria and maybe if you go into detail, what type of deals are you currently looking for? Yeah, sure. So right now it's uh, when it comes to the multifamily acquisition side, we're trying to find C-class assets, right? Primarily the, it's like everyone else, C-class value add type scenarios, right? Um, although these days it's, it's, it's even, we're getting fortunate, fortunately we're able to get like off market deals, which is good. That keeps, it keeps the funnel going. Uh, we're trying to get more into the B class assets now. So pay a little more money for a better quality asset. Uh, so right now it's, it's primarily, you know, C's and B's is where we're sticking. Um, when it comes to the new acquisition stuff, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, primarily near, uh, near high employment areas. Um, and I, I like downtown, but I'm also, I'm also looking for short stints to the downtown region. So maybe it takes 15, 20 minutes to get downtown, right? So someone can live in a suburb and still make it into their job in the city if they had one, 
uh, or even or still work remotely, but still have access to all the great things that a downtown city like Cleveland, for instance, has to offer, right? They even have like, there's plays here, there's music here, concerts, there's sporting events, all that stuff. People don't want to be too far away from that, you know? So if I'm able to find assets, C, B and C assets that are not too far away, it's good. People want that, you know? Um, so street shots are easy to get to. When it comes to redevelopment, we're doing these days, it's a lot of older historical properties and redevelopment into, uh, into A-class assets. So the Rockefeller is going to be converted to a 400 plus unit A-class a asset, you know, plenty of amenities, workout area, dog park, and like inside dog park, there's going to be an outside seating area, like a, like a patio, uh, like community patio, basically, a whole bunch of other things like that. Uh, that's going to be a great deal. We have other deals coming up, sim similar sort of vibe. Uh, maybe we're going to do, like there's another deal we're going to be looking at, for instance. It's going to be um, rooftop bar, rooftop restaurant, that kind of thing. So that's going to be coming up as well. Uh, typically, those types of deals have first floor retail, so there's some, some sort of food, some sort of uh, entertainment on the first floor as well. And um, those are the types of things we're doing with, with the redevelopment stuff. And then when it comes to the triple net, which is yet another asset class, uh, with triple net, it's typically uh, assets that are either going to be in the medical space, in the dollar, uh, dollar like discount, you know, dollar tree discount uh, retail, that kind of thing. Uh, those two are the ones we're going to be focused on right now. And uh, we're typically looking for, like it's say, an eight cap because at an eight cap or better, we're able to get, uh, get healthy returns back out to the customer, to the customer, to the, to the investor, and, uh, and still, it still produce, um, produce monthly returns to them. You know, so um, very, very reliable, very, very reliable monthly returns for, for the triple net stuff. So it just depends on, on which asset we're targeting at that time, you know. Got it. So the question that I have kind of in between question, because I want to talk about the Rockefeller building a little bit. Uh, so first question is like, how old, how old is the building? What year is it? Oh, wow. That thing was built in 1903 when it was completed. Wow. Very so old. Something, something big happened that year, but I can't remember. So the, the number rings a bell, but I can't remember. So wow. like when we talk about redevelopment, how much you guys are planning to spend like when it comes to per unit, per unit price on, on, on that? Uh, well, it, it's, it, it's not going to be, I, I mean, I, I never calculated on a per unit, right? Because Just on a total project. Yeah. It's like $80 million. Right. And, and the, the reason why we don't really calculate on a, on a per unit type scenario, not that that's easy to do, just take 80 million, divide it by the number of units. Yeah. But I'll give you an example. We're replacing all the elevators. We're putting in all new like workout area. Uh, there's going to be uh, the first floor is going to be pretty much like a, a, like a, a food court type scenario. So the people next door, Sherwin Williams, Sherwin Williams is building a, their headquarters right next door to us. They'll be able to come over to the Rockefeller and have and have have a great lunch or a great dinner, right? Uh, we're we're kicking around doing a martini bar in the basement, right? So it's like there's a big old safe down there, and uh, it'd be really really nice to have like maybe call it Rockefellers, and they can go there a little martini bar, go get a drink after work, you know that kind of thing. Anyway, it's that doesn't go into like say the cost per door like you would on a C class asset. You mm -hmm. know, because C-class asset, what are you going to do? Oh, you're going to fix the kitchens, put new carpeting, yada, yada, yada. 
this is a different play because all the amenities make it that much better. You know, people, when they're renting, when they're renting a, a space, at the, a place like the Rockefeller, they're not just renting an apartment, they're renting an experience, mm -hmm. right? They're getting a whole oh. experience that comes along with it, right? Yeah. yeah. So can you talk about, uh, of course, you're closed on a deal right now. So can you talk about like, what was the purchase price on it? Uh, so on this, uh, this one we're closing right now, this 96 unit deal, is, no, 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 uh, the, the Rockefeller building. Oh, the Rockefeller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that one was thirteen point three million to purchase it, right? And we're going to put eighty million into it. So, so, and like, what is the going to be the the project? Like, what are you looking to do with the project? Like, what is the exit strategy for you guys on that deal? You know, it's funny. Um, when we raised the money for this thing, we intended it to be like a 10 year hold, right? And, and when you're doing opportunity zone on something like this, which is what this project is, it's opportunity zone. And what opportunity zone means is that any capital gains that you make, and you take it out in 10 years from now is tax free, right? That's powerful stuff. So you put in $100,000 today, in 10 years, let's say the $100,000, that, that equity and all that is now worth $400,000. You get $400,000 out tax-free because it's opportunity zone. That's powerful, right? Mm -hmm. So we're planning for a 10-year hold. Um, I, I kind of like want to hold on to it for a very, very, very long time. So does my partner on this deal. So I don't know, man. I mean we're thinking that we might hang on to it. We're thinking we might refinance it out. We're not really sure, you know, but mm -hmm. one, I mean, one thing is for certain, we're going to get the investors, their money back, of course. Right. Yep. It's, but it's going to be like, um, if anything, I would, I would imagine like some big REIT is going to buy it or something like that at some point mm -hmm. in the future. Definitely because it, it is a trophy property and it's definitely going to be very hard for you guys to let it go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. It's going to be, it, it, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a trophy property, man. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. yeah. Again, Every time. Congratulations on that again. You know, it's, it's, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. So uh, can you talk about the book? Because uh, again, I know the book uh, that you have, it's called the bulletproof guide to raising capital. Yeah. So, and again, can you talk about that? What people should expect? Of course, it's going to be all about raising capital, but why have you decided to write the book? I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people struggling with that, but can you go through kind of the processes and what's, what's in the book? Sure, sure, sure. Well, I mean, first off, that, that's a free ebook. You can download it uh, anytime you want. There should, there should be a link in the description, hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, I found that for many people, the, the, the books that they put out there contain a lot of filler, right? Uh, a, lot of, a lot of extra stuff that I'm sure is valuable, right? But it's kind of like, if I inundate you with so much information, you're not gonna take any action at all. You're just gonna close that book up and, and go, go off to your next task, right? I think that many people are like that. So it's because it seems overwhelming, right? So what I try to do in, in, this, in this short ebook is try to make it as easy, as easy, easy, easy as possible to explain what you need to do and how you need to do it, right? I even get so, so detailed. I even mentioned like the clothes you wear for crying out loud. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised that I'd like, there's, there's people that would, um, I would, I'd be coaching and they would, they wouldn't show up. Like they, they'd tell them to dress up for, for a meeting and they wouldn't do it. And I have to remind you guys, 
and I'm a straight shooter. I'm always gonna I'm gonna tell you exactly how it is, right? It's I'm, I don't I don't sugarcoat things. The costume you wear, meaning your clothes, is very important to what you're projecting to the outside world, right? If you show up with like say purple hair and and torn up jeans, you're you're delivering one message versus someone that is actually wearing a blazer and a, and a nice pair of shoes, right? I'm not against purple hair or torn up jeans. I have my share of purple hair. If anybody can see me, right? Uh, I don't have any purple hair. Uh, I'm not against it at all. I think it's really cool. Uh, you know, it's it's. But when but when you're talking about raising money from other people, they are handing you uh, their nest egg, right? They're handing you some money that they've worked very very hard for, and they want to hand it over to someone that's that's going to be fairly conservative and responsible. So you, you don't want to create any type of question marks in their heads with, with some of the choices you might be making, right? Uh, so that, that's all it is, right? Not, I'm not against it or anything else like that. And this type, of, this type of, of advice is very hard for some people to hear. They, it's, it's, it's tough for them to hear. And again, it's not meant to be, not meant to be a jerk or anything else like that but if i were think of it if you were in someone else's shoes and, and you saw somebody that might be questionable you're you may not you may not want to hand them 100 grand you may not trust them for it right and that, again that comes down to when i studied psychology and human behavior all that it, we are wired to keep ourselves safe right and if there's any mode of danger or potential danger we tend to shy away from it Anything out of the norm, we tend to shy away from it, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's biological. You can't stop yeah. it. There's nothing you can do that'll, that'll stop that initial instinct, right? And that's what you have to overcome. And many people don't do that, you know? And, and again, I'm not trying to be mean. <laughs> it's not about being mean here. I'm trying to deliver the goods. And uh, I, I want to see people be successful. So anyway, that's just one example of something I dive into in this free ebook, right? So um, aside from, uh, I have some scripts in there, some things to say, how you say it, you know, things like that. It's, uh, um, and, and hopefully it's, uh, it'll get people rolling in the right direction. Well, I'm sure it will. So of course we're going to link the, the booklet, which of course is free, the book, the ebook uh, down below so we can go uh, guys and girls and grab it. Make sure, make sure to read it through because I, again, what you mentioned, like, even though it's kind of simplistic and some of the stuff is going to be pretty basic, but there's a lot of people that, you know, don't cover that when, which is, of course, it's very important. The first kind of impression does, you know, like people judging that a lot. So, of course, it's, it's one of the things that you need to be aware of. Like you have another source of uh, kind of knowledge and, you know, uh, strategies, tips on multifamily investing. So can you talk about the bulletproof uh, uh, cash flow podcast that you have like, like what type of you know because you mentioned you have some experts coming on so what people should expect on a podcast is it going to be something like this or like what approach are you using on a podcast you know that's a good good question um we actually recently changed the model a little bit you know i found again same sort of thing right we it was focused and still is on real estate right and um while i do primarily multifamily. I'll have other other guests come on the show that do other types of real estate as well. Uh, we we had notes, mobile home, land, single family, whatever you know. But one thing I found was, well, two things I found actually. Um, people are weak on the mindset, which I mentioned earlier. 
in sales and marketing. You know, uh, with, with the mindset stuff, I, I think that many people, they, they mistaken their, their own limitations for everyone else, right? So meaning that, well, if I can't do it, no one else can do it. But I can safely assure you guys, whoever's listening, I was, I was once one of those guys too. You know, I was uh, one of those people that I thought, well, you know, hey, I, I, I remember when I, my net worth was a million dollars and I thought I was like, wow, look at me, look how cool I am. One million dollars, now it's like, it's nothing. You know, when you think about it, right? Uh, but my mindset was very limited. So I interview people that have great mindset and can help, can help the audience expand their mindset. That's, that's, so we have that. And then secondarily, sales and marketing. Uh, we interview people or I interview people that have great sales and marketing chops. They, they talk about SEO. They talk about, they talk about the pitch. They talk about website stuff. They talk about social media, all these different things that other shows like ours don't really talk about, but are critical for mm -hmm. anyone that wants to build success in their real estate business. You got to know how to do that stuff. You have to, at least something, at least, at least enough that you can at least understand that you need to and then hand it off to someone else at a minimum. You got to have that, right? So uh, on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule, we typically release Monday's mindset, Wednesday is sales and marketing, and Friday is real estate. That's typically what we do. And uh, so it's a little, a little different than what the typical typical real estate show is. So um, yeah, that's, uh, that's basically how it is. And uh, I, I certainly hope that, that people out there check it out and tell me what they think about it. You know, I'm always looking for feedback from people. So, yeah. That is awesome. That is awesome. Cool. Cool. So listen, um, kind of have this question for you. It's going to be a little bit esoteric and, uh, but I'm sure you, you, you have a great answer, which, uh, I want to find out, uh, is, um, like you meeting all these great people and you're doing the business. Now we have like you, you're doing the podcast, you're having experts on. So you're being all over the place and that's where we connected through social media. So uh, you come across a lot of people, but like the question is, like, what is the one thing that you want people to remember about you when you meet them? So, you know, you, you have to wow people. You have to wow them. Okay. And, and, and here's the thing. We live in a world of average right here in the middle, average, average, everybody does everything average, right? And if you're able to do something above average, right, above average, better than, than what everyone else does, then they'll say, huh, I wasn't expecting that. How about that? This guy actually did what he said he was going to do. Even doing that integrity <laughs> is, is surprising, unfortunately, today, right? Uh, there's, there's a gentleman, I haven't talked to him in years. He reaches out to me. Here's an example. He reaches out to me and he says, Hey man, you know, it's been years. How are you? He's a good friend of mine. You know, how are you? Back and forth. Talk, talk for like an hour. And then, uh, then he says, you know what? We should get the old crew back together again. Let's, let's all have a conversation. And, and I'm like, oh, sure, sure, sure. And he says, I'll, I'll schedule something. I'm like, yeah, okay. Or whatever. I, I wasn't expecting him to do it. A week later, there's, he, he sends a message. Okay, let's do it here on this day. He sets the time and does it. Wow. He actually said he was going to do what he said he was going to do. How about that? Mm -hmm. Now, should I be surprised? I don't know. I wasn't expecting it. I didn't think it was going to do anything. That's the point. We live in a world of average. Most people could barely perform. Like they, most people perform below average, right? 
you get you get a bunch of these business cards from people, right? You get a business card from somebody. You're supposed to follow up with them. How many pe- how many people out there actually followed up with those people? You get a business card from, right? That's below average. Maybe you follow up with them uh, maybe once. That's average. How about if you follow up with them five times? That's above average, right? Just doing that. Be above average. Demonstrate value. When, you're, and when, you, when you do reach out to them, that's probably another key thing too. You know, it's, um, I'll get messages on, I think we, we connect on LinkedIn. I'll get messages from people all the time. Just like, you know, hey, uh, I, I'm an expert at telehealth. Let me help you with your telehealth stuff. I don't do anything with telehealth, man. Did you read my profile? Like what's going on with that? Did you even take the time <laughs> to read the profile? No, no, I don't have 15 minutes of my, my life to waste to talk to you. Sorry about that. Is that cold and hard? It certainly is. That's the world we live in, guys. Yeah. You know, but got to be ultimately be above average. Just be above average. That's it. Beat the average. <laughs> That's all I got to do. I love it. I love. I love the fact. Yeah, and I do agree with everything that you said. You know, that is definitely happening. And I think uh, because you, because of you, because you came into this episode and provided all this value, I think you just uh, pushed the boundaries a little bit for the people and inspired them not to be average which I'm sure there's a lot of people who are already performing above average. And that's why you're coming into these shows and, and looking to, you know, get more knowledge, get more information so we can even perform on a higher levels. So Agustino, I really appreciate you being today on the show. It's been a true pleasure to get to know you a little bit better, get to be part of your journey, kind of understand the way you operate and do the business, which is, which is really awesome. Again, congratulations on the, on the current closing. It's beautiful, beautiful property, which of course we're going to link below. You guys and girls have to check it out too. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's been a really fun time. So thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. That's no problem. So uh, guys and girls, before we're going to go, just one thing that I wanted to ask you, if you share this episode with a friend of yours, you know, that one who always talks about real estate investing, but never pulls the trigger. Uh, this episode is definitely going to be uh, great for that person because it's going to find a lot of great tips, strategies, inspiration, you know, so make sure to pass it along. Again, Agustino, appreciate you being today on the show. And as always, guys, I so will see you on the next episode. Thanks for watching.